listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hi, this is Ted Johnson. And before we start today's podcast, I'd like to give a quick shout out to a couple of our supporters. George Shower, who is the Pocono Outdoors guy, has been a friend and advocate of the Fish on Ted podcast and our sister company, Marketing for Guides, for a couple of years now. George broadcasts his own podcast live every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Facebook Live. He then posts his episode on his YouTube channel, of course, called The Pocono Outdoors Guy. Along with being a podcast host, George is also a well-known outdoor writer and outdoor videographer. To find out more about George's services, go to his website at www.poconooutdoorsguy.com. I'd also like to recognize Short Bus Flashers, who is based in Oregon. JT Gillette started Short Bus Flashers just over 10 years ago, and it has become the premier manufacturer of salmon fishing flashers on the West Coast. If you like catching salmon, you need to visit www.shortbusflashers.com and take a look at all the flashers and the hundreds of shapes and color combinations that are available. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us today. If you look at your calendars, we are just about three days away from Ho-Ho Day. Merry Christmas to all. In 2020, we are closing out the year with COVID still amongst us, but we've got a little present for it. And it seems like this vaccine or vaccines that are coming to the market are going to take it out. And thank God we're going to go into 2021 with at least the optimism that things are going to get back to normal in the months to come. And and gosh, we just uh, are really excited about that. Although it sounds as though looking at the statistics in the industry, we've got so many people fishing right now. It's just been incredible. People have given up their golf clubs and going to sporting events and doing social gathering. And now they're meeting on the riverbank and uh, fishing and enjoying the great outdoors, which has really been a real boom for the fishing business um, in general. Uh, My understanding is that you can hardly find a boat out there if you want to buy it. Um, The tackle stores, you know, are sitting there with empty shelves and they're struggling to get enough tackle in to support the people that are buying it right now. And so if you look at that for the fishing industry, 2020 for some has probably been their best year ever. So we're hoping that 2021 will carry this through. People will continue to enjoy the sport of fishing and um, they will uh, uh, be growing the sport as the months and years come in. Today, I've got a great interview. Looking forward to this. It has been a while since uh, we have had a, a discussion on the Fish on Ted podcast on the sport of sturgeon fishing. And today, we have got one of the best sturgeon fishing guides um, um, in, in the entire country joining us today. And so, without further ado, Bill Gaither, are you there? I am. Hey, welcome, Bill. How are you, man? Um, thank you, and I'm doing really good. Good, good. Uh, now, I understand, uh, before we get started with all this, that uh, you not only have caught some fish this last year, you actually caught COVID yourself, didn't you? 
Yeah, we got it the 1st of November, and we've been uh, dealing with it for about six, seven weeks now. Wow. No fun. Are you pretty much much over it? Yeah, I'd say we're about 90%. We still get fatigued pretty easily when we're out doing stuff, but it's, I mean, it's the majority of the the illness is is past us, so. Yeah, yeah, I'll be all right. Well, I'm glad that uh, it didn't keep you down for much longer than that. I understand uh, some people really suffer with it for a, a number of months afterwards. Well, I think what's scary about it is you just never know what's going to happen because I've got people on either side of me age-wise that are in the hospital, you know, with a ventilator. Yeah. I've got people that I know that are in their 30s that can't breathe, and I know people that are older than me that can't breathe. So just coming down with it was kind of scary, so you just never know. Yeah, no kidding, man. Holy smokes. Can you imagine? I mean, that uh, that doesn't sound good at all. I'm I'm it's really kind of exciting that we've got these vaccines coming out and then some of these other treatments that um, sound like uh, are really helping people also. So maybe all of this is behind us and, you know, in the next month or so, but I think we do have to get through January and February before we see much re you know, uh, uh, reprieve from any, any of this, but um, anyway, Hey, uh, Bill today, we're going to talk about sturgeon fishing. You are one of the best. Um, on the uh, uh, in, on the Columbia and the Willamette, and have a great reputation. How in the world did you ever get into sturgeon fishing, man? Well, I was uh, just out of high school, and a friend of mine took me down to what they refer to as the Wall in in Oregon City, and it's a deep spot, it's about 130 feet deep. And the guys are about 50 feet above the water, and you cast out into this deep spot on the Willamette River, uh-huh. and you sit up on the along 99E, right there where there's a handrail, it's three feet tall, and you lean your rod against it. You got 11 to 14 foot rod, and you hook these fish, and you fire them and bring them up, and then they slide a rope down your rod and down the line and around the fish, and they drag them up the wall. And that was my first experience on it. Really? No kidding. Now, it, that's yeah. just south of Oregon City, isn't it? Is I remember kind of towards the, the uh, is it a mill or something down there? Yeah, it was right next to Blue Heron, just right around the corner from Blue Heron, right before you head into Canby. That's right. Wow. So that's what got you hooked, huh? Did Were you successful on your first day out? Oh, yeah. We caught fish right off the get-go. I was with a guy that had been fishing that for quite a while, so he knew what he was doing. But I think the thing that hooked me is there's a little ledge like 15 feet below 99E there that you can drop down onto and fish off of. It was probably 15 feet wide, and there'd be six or eight guys down there. And I saw a guy get one that was probably eight feet long. And they actually, back in the day, they pulled it clear up the ledge, and we looked at it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a monster, you know. Really? And that's what really hooked me for fishing that area. Wow. Wow. So that was back in, in what, the 80s, something like that? Uh, it would have been late 80s, early 90s, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible, man. So you fished there for a while, and, and uh, then when did you decide to turn your passion um, into an occupation? Um, well, it was 2008. And, um, I just, I enjoyed fishing, but I also enjoyed taking folks out that had never done it before and uh-huh. watch the, watch their faces as they light up and they see these huge fish coming into the boat, you know, and I know that knowing what I'm doing is putting those people into those fish. 
Yeah. And a good friend of mine uh, who has been guiding for about 10 years at this point um, said, hey, why don't you get your guide license? I'll start dishing off my extra clients to you. And so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's gone, you know, gone uphill ever since. It's been great. Oh, that's great. And, and of course, you fish the other fisheries on the Columbia also. I know that you fish a lot of salmon and that sort of thing uh, with, with those big runs that come in. But it seems like you have a real love for the sturgeon fishing. Yeah, sturgeon fishing is a blast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I, it's, you know, salmon fishing is fun because the rod goes down fast. You know, you'll be talking all of a sudden the rod buries and it's like you go from zero to 100 miles an hour. But even a 30, 35 pound salmon is not going to put the skids and the brakes on when they want to go. You've got to let them go. You know, with sturgeon, mm-hmm. they do that when they want to hit the bottom of the river at 130 feet down. You're not going to stop it. It's just like, you know, you got six, 800 pound fish on the other end. You just got to tire them out. And it there's they can make so many runs to the bottom before they get tired. And a lot of them will do that eight, nine times. You know, you'll pull them all the way off the bottom and. Next thing you know, they're going right back down there again. It's like, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you just said something that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are sending there scratching their head on. You just talked about a six or 800 pound fish in freshwater. They, they, they get that big? They get bigger than that. Really? No kidding. What, what's yeah. the biggest you've had to the boat, you think? Uh, it was about 12 and a half feet. It was actually on the Willamette. We've had some big ones from the bank on the Columbia below Bonneville Dam back in the uh-huh. day before I was really doing the fishing thing out of the boat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, back in the early 90s. But uh, we were up there in the falls at the deadline, and we hooked one that was about 12 and a half feet, and it took the guys three hours to get it to the boat. And it, the depths up there vary from 10 feet to 40 or 50 feet up in the deadline, and this fish just kept running us around through these holes. Three hours uh-huh. later, we finally saw it, and we didn't even get it to the boat to measure it. We just kind of took a rough estimate, and it sat there for about 30 seconds where we could get a good look at it, about 10 to 15 mm-hmm. feet out, and then it just took off again, and it broke the line. Oh, it did. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was just a monster fish. Oh, and that and that's a party fish at that point, isn't it? Because one guy's not going to bring that all the way to the boat. Well, one guy can, but boy, I'm telling you, it it just wears you out. I've had some guys that definitely lifted weights all their life, and I had a Russian guy on the boat with his mom, and he fought one for about an hour. It was about nine or ten feet long, and yeah, and he said he didn't ever want to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I've, I've caught halibut in the hundreds of pounds, but nothing, you know, nothing like the, the size and, and, and the power of what you're talking about. And what amazes me, I mean, if you do a little bit of research, and, and I think uh, you, uh, you have some videos also, you know, where these big fish like that, eight, nine, ten pounds, come straight out of the water like a marlin, don't they? Eight or, eight or nine, ten feet, not pounds. Yeah. Feet. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they do. They'll jump it. They call it a poor man's marlin. My record for an eight footer uh, below Bonneville Dam that uh, jumped and did somersaults and all that good stuff was seven times in a row. Really? Just like a marlin. No, yeah, just like a marlin. No kidding. No yeah. kidding. Wow, that's incredible, man. That is incredible. So, so tell us a little about the 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 fishing seasons and the limits and the limitations that you 
have now on the Columbia and uh, Willamette and Oregon? Well, we started off in January and they opened it above Bonneville, which is called the Bonneville Pool Area and, uh-huh. and on up river. But I fished the Bonneville Pool Area. That's basically from Bonneville Dam to Hood River area on the Columbia. And they allow us one fish per day, two per year. And the, the slot limit is 44 to 50. You have okay. a six-inch window. I think it's either 50 or 54. I can't remember. But they've, they've, along the river, they change it so much, it's hard to keep up with. But I, I'm pretty sure it's 44 to 50. Okay. And that's coming up here. And we get a, they, they give us so many fish on that quota. And it usually takes us from January. About the first week of February, they'll shut it down because we'll reach a quota of so many fish being caught. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. We, we catch a lot of fish up there. You know, you're in between dams. It's not real fast water. Uh, it's deep in a lot of places. We're fishing sometimes 130, 140 feet deep. Right. Um, but it can be it can be fun up there. We've had you know 50, 60 fish fish uh, to the boat days up there. Wow! Wow! No kidding! No kidding! Mm-hmm. And and that 44 to 50 inch slot. Um, how big of a fish is that in pounds, roughly, Bill? Oh, boy. Uh, well, I would say at the bottom, man, you're probably talking 12 to 15 pounds. Okay. At the top end, it could go, you know, 30, 40 pounds. Because wow. every inch they gain, start gaining in size and thickness as well. Right, right. I'll be darned. Well, that well, that's cool. Well, and and they're kind of a goofy fish, aren't they? I mean, because they they what do they call it, an exoskeleton or something like that that the fish has, um, because they're they're real prehistoric, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're a dinosaur fish for sure. They have uh-huh. what they call scoots scoots down the side and uh, along the back, and a small roll of them down the belly, and uh, they don't have any bones. It's all cartilage. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you. I've had clients handling them before and cut their hands wide open on the scoots. They're razor sharp. Really? No kidding. Yeah, I had a, I actually had a client uh, who we were we were salmon fishing. He'd never caught a sturgeon before. And so I said, well, we can use the salmon rods. We went up and anchored up. And within 10 minutes, he had a four-footer in the boat. And he went to grab it. And it laid his hand, his palm wide open. And I'm like, oh, no. And he's bleeding all over the place. And uh, he proceeds to tell me he has hep C. Stand back. He's got it. And I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> now, really? Yeah. So he had to clean his own mess up. We gave him some bleach and whatnot and uh, yeah. to clean the blood off the floor. But, yeah, it was it was uh, pretty intense because he was probably pretty close to needing stitches. It was pretty bad. Really? Gosh, there's all sorts of challenges as a fishing guide, is there not? Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> So For when, sure. someone, yeah, when someone uh, goes sturgeon fishing with you, what what do they expect? I, I know that uh, uh, sturgeon feed on what's on the bottom of the river, and so um, you're probably not casting lures and that sort of thing. How do you fish for them? Well, we're fishing the bottom, and what you do is you go along and you try and find drop-offs or you try and find uh, clam beds. And fishing as long as I've been, I, I kind of know where some clam beds are, and those sturgeon up there, feed on those freshwater clams and you know you're in a good area when you bring your rods back up just to check the bait and there's a clam hooked on the end of your hook so you know you're in an area that they're feeding and they'll suck the they'll suck the top off the clam and pull the clam out of the shell so when you pull a a clam shell up that's got a nice big hole in it you know a sturgeon has been there right before you or before you 
So oh, really? what we do is we we fish. Yeah, we fish a, a a fairly short rod that's only six and a half, seven feet long. It's fairly thick. You know, in case you hook one that's eight or ten feet, you don't want to be using a salmon rod for that. Right. Just not, they just don't have the backbone that that a little bit thicker rod. I'm running like a uh, a twenty to fifty mainline uh, rod by uh-huh. Lamaglass, and um, so we're fishing right on the bottom. We're running you know anywhere from eight to twenty four ounces of lead, depending on the current and the depth and all that good stuff. And we're running about a three foot uh, dacron, one hundred thirty pound dacron leader with a either a 7-aught to a 12-aught hook, depending on what kind of fish you're targeting. If you want the big ones, you're obviously running a lot bigger bait and a lot bigger hook. Right, right. And then, but we and run then that on the bait, bottom, and then they just... Go ahead. Oh, and then bait-wise, what, what do you got hooked onto that? Well, if, we run, if you want to target big fish, you're running shad or parts of salmon, eel, stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. For the smaller fish, we're running squid, smelt, shrimp, worms, roll mop. Roll mop is a pickled herring. Uh-huh. Uh, any of those combinations. And then, you know, like if you're running a squid, the, the whole top end of the squid is hollow, so you can inject some smell up in there, you know, your your procures and all that good stuff up inside the bell to right. give it, you know, a trail for those fish to follow. And that's typically what we'll do. We'll start out running every bait with different injections in them and it put a nice little trail out there for those fish to come into. Right, right. And then depending on the water you're fishing will determine the size of the weight that you have on, right? Correct. The current and the depth, all that good stuff kind of. Yeah. And and in in regards to the strike from the scourgeon, what what do you look for? What do you tell people that come on the boat? What what the what the should they be looking for in regards to there's activity on their line? Oh, you'll know it. It'll just it'll just wiggle a little bit, just tap tap tap. And what's uh-huh. comical about it is they don't. You'll never know what's on the other end. It's like that uh, that deal that you used to do in grade school where they had the little clip on the end of the line. You took the little piece of bamboo and flipped over the wall and they tugged on it a couple of times and you pulled it over and you had a prize on the other end. Oh yeah. Same and, and the, the car model, the car, uh, car yes. 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 Same exact thing. You'll be, the rods will be in the rod holders. Of course, and that's when you see it the best. It's just a little tap, tap, tap. And you pick the rod up out of the rod holder and you want to feel them tap on it a couple of good times. And you just swing the hook, you know, swing the rod up mm-hmm. in the air and uh, try and set the hook on them pretty hard. Yeah. Of course, a lot of times if you're fishing 120, 130 feet of water, you really got to come up hard on that hook set. I've had people just barely lift up on the rod, and all they're doing is pulling it out of their mouth. You got to really come up on them pretty fast and hard. Now, are you using circle circle hooks or something like that? No, we're just using a straight hook, just a regular hook. Um, Uh Like I said, it's anywhere from 7 aught to 12 aught, just depending on what you're going after, you know, what size of fish Mm -hmm. you're targeting. Mm-hmm. Like they, okay. the the fish fish that we target on the Willamette usually is catch and release because they don't very seldom give us a season on that. And everybody right. that wants to go up there and do the Willamette thing, they're looking for the biggest fish. So I'll I'll pull, you know, a couple of baits that are squid with a seven knot run through their head uh, and uh-huh. half hitched on. And then there's other poles that I'll rig up with a twelve knot hook, which is pretty good size, and I'll run it through the back of the head of this of a, a shad. And yeah. the shad are about the size of a football. They're pretty good size. I had a, a group of uh, people people on board that weren't from this country. And when I pulled the shad out and started putting them on the bait up there in the falls in Oregon City, 
they were looking at me like, what are you doing? What are you, what are we fishing for? <laughs> and they found out, they found out pretty soon. It wasn't very long after that. And of course, the bite on the big fish is a lot different than a little fish when you're in fast water up there in the falls. They'll tug on it a little bit, and you'll see it start pulling, and that's when everybody wants to say, hey, 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 fish on, and you say, nope, just watch. And within about 30 seconds, the rod's buried and line screaming off the reel. And I say, okay, now you can get it. Now I got the fish. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, it's it pretty much a done deal by then. That, that, that must be an unnerving few seconds seeing that rod going i mean it, it, unlike salmon where you're probably all over setting that thing at that point you got to give it time don't you well when you're going after the big ones what they're doing down there when they get up they come up on that football sized bait with that hook hanging out is they're working it into their mouth and you'll you will see the rod start tugging a little bit you know like they're oh. there working it in their mouth and then when they decide that they've got it in their mouth they turn around and they run and that's when the rod just pins down as hard as it can go, tips almost in the water, and lines just screaming off the reel. Then you say, okay, he's hooked. Go ahead and grab the rod. Oh, and most God. people, like I said, most people look at that rod when it starts wiggling, going, oh, set the hook, set the Nope. Just let him take it. You'll know. Right. 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 Wow. No kidding. Oh, well, it sounds, it's like, it sounds like uh, fishing down south. Uh, for rooster fish. I remember the first time I went down and did that and you you get a rooster playing with your bait, you know, and I don't speak much Spanish and the, and the guys in the boat be screaming at you to leave the rod alone. And, you know, it's reeling off 50, 100 yards before they let you set the hook. But if you didn't do that, there's no way you'll get the fish. I mean, they just got it kind of hanging out of their mouth. Sounds like the same kind right. of yeah. Well, it probably is because the bait's so big. You know, you want it definitely in their mouth, so mm -hmm. that hook has a, the best chance it can to to hook into that giant mouth of theirs. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I'll be darned. Out of all the years that you fished, Bill, did you have one fish that's the most memorable? Doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest, right? But just the most memorable fight and uh, and uh, events that took place when you uh, were fighting it? Um, yeah, I, I, we put one to the boat that was probably about nine and a half feet long. And uh -huh. it was actually on my rods before I was guiding. And we were fishing really high, muddy water. There was a lot of rain the previous week, and we were behind a little island that was about 60 foot of water. And uh, this was back in the mid-90s, long before I started guiding. We were in a little 16-foot flat-bottom boat. And uh, I was fighting this fish. And I fought it for probably 20 or 30 minutes. And I didn't realize it was as big as it was. And it started coming up. And I'm reeling on it. And it was coming right up underneath the boat. Like literally the line. I'm, I'm gaining line as it's coming. And it jumped. I was standing right next to the motor. It jumped straight up out of the water. And pretty much gave me a kiss. Literally, I was staring at this mouth. Literally four or five inches from my face. And I fell backwards. And the fish hit the water. I thought he was coming in the boat with us. He hit the water to go in the other direction and snapped the line. And that was probably the most memorable sturgeon that I've ever had. Wow. Scared no the kidding. hell out of me. <laughs> Gosh, well, yeah. that made a great video. I mean, it, and obviously back then there weren't, weren't uh, cameras on phones, but holy no. smokes, what a video that would have been. Well, we had, uh, I've had several situations where um, they've got these boats that run uh, tours 
they're called the OMSI boats. They're great yeah. big jet boats. They yeah. have probably 30 or 40 seats in them. And uh, we were up there fishing one year. And those guys come up to the falls in groups of two or three boats at a time. And I had a guy and his daughter on board, and we had just hooked into a sturgeon. And here comes that boat full of kids. And there must have been 30 or 40 kids on there with a few adults, you know, like the teachers or whatever. And um, we're fighting it. And, of course, the guy that's running the boat, he realizes we're fighting a big fish up there. And it's the middle of summer. It's warm out and everything. And uh, this is when I was guiding. And um, first started guiding back in like 08, 09. It would have been earlier on when I was guiding. And uh, they came in a little too close. And that fish decided to jump. And it was about 10 feet long. And it jumped right next to that boat. And all at once, every one of those kids screamed. And it was literally two to three feet off the side of that boat when it came out of the water. Oh, my God. Really? No kidding. Yep. Yep. We've got, uh, we've got, I've got lots of stories like that. <laughs> yeah. What, what an event that was that, uh, I'll, uh, I'll bet it, I'll bet it shocked the, the, uh, the people you had in your boat too. That's, that must have been a, a really interesting fight. <laughs> well, they, they knew what they were getting into when they got on board. Cause we'd fought a couple before that, but it just happened to be that, you know, those, uh, those kids came up in that boat right at that time we hooked into a big one and they sat there for four or five minutes watching us and all of a sudden it came out of the water and just literally within a few feet of that boat straight up out of the water yeah so i'm sure i'm sure there was a few uh a few diaper changes going on that at, in that boat because it was pretty it was so yeah it was it was intense yeah no kidding that that's crazy so if somebody comes up to you and and says uh you know, hey, Bill, I'm thinking about uh, getting into uh, sturgeon fishing, and, and what would you suggest I do to uh, make sure I've got the right equipment and uh, the right gear to do this? What would you, what would you tell them? I'd tell them to expect to spend a lot of money. <laughs> uh, you know, it, anytime you get into fishing, if you're just buying for yourself, that's, that's one thing, but... Uh, when you're buying, you know, six or eight of them at a time, it gets pretty spendy. You know, of course, I'm guiding, so that's why I'm buying that much of everything. And I buy a lot more hooks and line than I normally would if I'm just fishing, doing myself. But, uh, you know, you want a good solid rod, six, seven foot. You want good solid rod holders because I've seen guys go out there with less than rod holders that get broken when the fish hit and they take their rod and it's gone. You know, they just pull it right in the water. Mm -hmm. um, good, good heavy hooks, hook uh line all that good stuff and just and i would say the thing that that gets me the most is seeing the guys go out there that don't have a clue with currents and and uh you know rising water and seeing guys go out there and having their boats sink or have people drown that you know that's that's the biggest thing you know just be real leery of your currents and your depth and stuff coming down the river when you got a lot of rain and and uh you know water's on the rise can be real yeah. dangerous you have to have a lot of respect for those rivers and, and a lot of people don't they they see a you know a little faster current but you know well that's why i got the boat you know is that i can go out in water like this and then they anchor up wrong or you know do something else and they get themselves in a really precarious position and and the river doesn't care does it i mean it's gonna do what the river does no, and I actually had a boat rescue that we did here probably about five years ago. A guy and his friend came out in a great big fiberglass boat, and uh, they had a couple little kids on board. And thank goodness the kids had their 
life jackets on and we were fishing down below him and i thought man that guy's crazy for going above us the current's really ripping up there and and uh, he tried to anchor the boat and of course when they anchored it they got it wrapped around the prop and the boat spun around in that current and it was almost coming over the back of the boat and i saw it so we reeled the rods in as fast as we could and threw the anchor over and ran up there and i pulled the kids off the boat and and uh, the guy ended up cutting his anchor rope just so the boat would pop free it was really almost pinned and uh, wow. the two two guys that were in the boat didn't have their life jackets on. And, of course, the first thing we told them was, hey, get your life jackets on. If that boat goes down, you don't want to be underneath it or around it. Yeah, no kidding. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it can be scary up there. I've seen a lot of a lot of people make mistakes that they just don't, you know, they're not not aware of. Yeah, yeah. I get, I get a lot of respect for that water. That's a tremendous volume of water coming down either the, you know, Willamette or the Columbia. I mean, it, it, that's big, big water. But um, so, yeah. So in in regards to the season of the year, um, is there a is there a better time to fish for sturgeon than another? Um, it depends on where you're going. I would say if you're targeting the oversized fish, the mm-hmm. end of spring, you know, when your flows are starting to calm down a little bit, and the fish are getting ready to go up there and, and spawn. Now, I do know that uh, from the falls five miles down to the train trussle bridge, they shut right. that down. Um, I do believe it's May 1st. Mm-hmm. So you have the whole month of April is really good. Like I said, just, you got to be careful of the flows and, and the currents up there in the falls and whatnot. It can be dangerous. Um, right. But there is a lot of there is a lot of good fishing up there to be had if you know where the holes are and, and whatnot. Um, on the Columbia... You know, you got these fish that are coming out of the Willamette starting about the middle of May and all the way through July, uh, middle of July, and they're heading down to either go up to Bonneville or down to the estuary, which is down in Astoria. Mm-hmm. And that can be lights out fishing down there. I've seen guys catch fish in foot and a half of water. Really? A foot and a half of water? No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's wow. some spots that I have friends that will hit uh when the tide is coming in or going out depending on what they're you know what they're targeting as far as like mm-hmm. where they're targeting the fish that was are coming in on the tides or going out on the tides the tides going out they t- they tend to anchor or not anchor they tend to uh hunker down to some of these little ditches and so when the tide's going out uh you can drop your anchor in five six foot of water and fish a 10 foot hole when the tide's going out and you're not aware of it you can look up to your anchor and you'll see your tine sticking out of the water (laughs) really no kidding (laughs) yeah so just something to be but yeah it it can be phenomenal down there those fish down at the coast like to jump a lot too and run man they're really Uh really energetic down there i'll be darned you know a lot of people don't understand how affordable a um, a sturgeon fishing trip can be in Oregon. And the reason I say that is that you're fishing waters that are really close to the city of Portland, where they have a big uh, international airport. And, you know, you can hop if you're down in the sou- southern part of the United States or even back east, you can typically find a deal for less than $200 on a Southwest Airlines. It'll come right into Portland. Um, and you know, you, you can pick them up at the airport or if they're staying at the air, you know, around the airport, I would imagine, and they could be fishing in 30 minutes. Couldn't they? I mean, that, it, it isn't like you're going through planes, trains and automobiles to uh, finally get to a point where you're fishing. 
No, it's definitely not like Alaska where you're going from plane to plane to plane to, or from plane to boat to plane to, right. to get somewhere. No, this is right. pretty pretty easy. And if you want to compare, you know, the Alaska fishery, three dollars $4,000 for a week of fish, and you can come up here and do that for way less than mm-hmm. you could do that here. And, and uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but the Columbia River at one point in time was the biggest estuary in the world, bigger than the Kenai. Wow, really? Poor salmon. Yes, in the early 1900s. The early 1900s, they had fish that were well over 100 pounds regularly. And that's salmon, salmon isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Wow, no kidding. So if you t- if you time oh, not this like right, that now. Say what? I said if you time this right, you can uh, get in on a couple sturgeon trips and a couple salmon trips all in the same short week, couldn't you? Uh, absolutely. September is the best time for that. We have uh, really good salmon runs where we usually get our limit fairly early uh, on good days. We've been done as early as 8 o'clock in the morning with 10 fish in the boat. And, uh, you know, it's nothing to just hop, skip, and jump over the Willamette and uh, do some surgeon fishing. It's real easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All in all in one day. Yeah, and then get up the next day and do it all over again. That uh that would be a that would be a that would be a fun trip, man. I think most of the time I've had clients that have set up two and three days and they'll set aside, you know, two days for salmon or two days for sturgeon and then do the opposite for the for either salmon or sturgeon, depending on what they're wanting to target, you know. They'll yeah. just stay here for three or four days and, and uh hit a couple on each. And it's right. way less expensive than it is going to Alaska. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So, Bill, I, I asked this question of pretty much every guest that I have on the show. If you woke up tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning will be Monday for you. And you woke up and you had this kind of vivid dream and the great fish God in the world came and visited you during the, the dream and said, Bill, you have got one fishing trip left. That's it. This one fishing trip. And my question to you is, if you knew that, what would you fish for? Where would you fish for it? And who would you take fishing with you? <laughs> wow. Uh, there's so many fish to catch, Chad. That's not fair. Yeah. Um, you, have, you have one. You can, you, can, you can cross off one. Boy, I'll tell you, I think it would probably have to be Fall Chinook up there below Bonneville Dam. That's, uh, you know, I love sturgeon fishing, uh, but the salmon fishing the first week of September up there is so red hot. We normally don't go more than about five minutes without getting a rod to go off. It's just uh-huh. insane. Wow. And that's fun. That's an absolute blast. Yeah. And and who would and we be get on the Oh boy, I would probably have to say three or four of my closest friends. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, that uh, that that sounds like a great day on the water, man. Yeah. Well, as long as they were able to net my fish, I guess it'd be good. <laughs> we're, we're friends as long as you don't want to hook one for me. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've had friends screw up net jobs so bad, I just wanted to throw them overboard. Yeah, isn't that isn't that the truth? I've I've told this story a, a number of times, uh, where I had my father-in-law. This was back in the '80s. Come up and uh, fish with me on the McKinsey, which is kind of my home river, and 
I had built a drift boat and, and was real proud of it. I mean, it was a nice looking boat had, had, uh, you know, all the uh, amenities in it that I could stack in it. And my father-in-law came all the way from Missouri to come and salmon fish. And uh, so we get in uh, to this one hole that I, I knew where we could pull some plugs, make a, you know, make an easy pass of it. And we got into the middle of this hole after about 10 minutes and his rod went off. Well, the thing is, he didn't want to use one of my rods. He had this special, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll dig on him a little bit. He had one of those special Berkeley rods with the covered reel on it, you know, and the 20 pound test, they, they never straightened out. And he hooked into this gigantic fall Chinook, right? And that's fall, fall, spring Chinook. And he was fighting this damn thing. And, and he put the rod tip down in the water. I don't know why he would do that. And the rod, uh, the, the line would run around the rod tip and then he'd pull it into the boat and he's trying to get the, the line off of the, the rod while he's fighting this fish. And my brother-in-law and I are screaming at him, Floyd, don't do that. You know, we'll take care of that when that happens, you know. And we got that fish to the boat. It was like three times. And finally, we were in a point where we could net it and we're looking at it going, holy smoke, we haven't had one this size come to the boat especially, you know, a, a springer and the net went into the water. And for whatever reason, the father-in-law put the tip of the rod back in the water, the fish got unhooked and you could just see kind of lazily swimming away, you know, and my brother-in-law <laughs> and I are kind of looking at each other in disbelief, just going, Oh my God, what just happened? You know, my father-in-law looked at us and he goes, well, we're just going to have to go get another one. <laughs> Oh, he was, wow. he was so close <laughs> to getting wet. <laughs> he was wow. Just yeah, I want to push him over. <laughs> couldn't do wow. it. Wow. Couldn't do it. Still love the guy, but couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. But, nice. Uh, that, that's fishing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I would yeah. say I would say the biggest mistake that my clients make when they're fighting a salmon is they'll see the fish. And they've got a 10 and a half foot rod in their hand and they think that, you know, the fish is out there five, six feet that it's too far away. So they'll start backing up. And when they come off the rail, they're putting, you know, if that fish decides to run underneath the boat, now they've got it. They're in a predicament because they can't get the rod down in the water fast enough. Well, Bill, you know, you and I talked a lot today about sturgeon fishing and a little bit about salmon fishing. Um, but uh, you're about as passionate about salmon fishing as you are sturgeon fishing. Um, if people are looking to come and fish the uh, Willamette or Columbia with you, when is the best time for them to come and catch salmon? Uh, the Willamette, the Springer Run is like uh, mid-April through July, and okay. then and we're fishing on the Willamette. And then uh, if you wanted to do the fall fishery, uh, the absolute best time is the month of September and the first week in October below Bonneville Dam on the Columbia. Ah, very good. And those are all Chinook, are they not? Uh, Chinook, and then we get some coho in in uh, in, in a September. Ah, very good. And just to, again for uh, people out of the area, um, Chinook are also known as king salmon. They're exactly the same thing. It's just a different name that uh, we call them down in Oregon versus up north. Correct. And, I think uh, that the. I think that the Chinook name is the Indian. Uh, yes. I'm not totally sure on that, but I think that's what the Indian, the Native American people called them, a Chinook. Yep, 
Yeah, I, I believe you're right. How, how big do they get in the Willamette and Columbia? Uh, the Willamette average is around 15 to 18 pounds. And then uh, on the Columbia, they're a few pounds heavier than that in the fall. Uh, we got one mm-hmm. this year that was 35 pounds. Wow, that's a beast. Yeah, I would say a good solid average for for the September run is, a, you know, in the high teens, low 20s uh-huh. with the occasional. We got a couple that were 25 and 28 this year with the biggest being 35 pounds, which was a real nice fish. Wow. And and what's the retainage on that? Is that one or two a day? Something like that? Um, it's It's one a day until they get a certain amount of fish over the dam in the fall. And then it goes to two a day. Oh, and then okay. uh, during, the, during the spring run, it's um, one a day. And sometimes they'll give us two a day. It just depends on how many fish you're expecting back. If the run's poor, then they'll say just one a day. Right, right. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, Bill, man, hey, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, your time is valuable, especially around the holidays. And uh, catching up with you has been our treat and our uh, our honor. If people are interested in booking a trip, um, how do they get a hold of you, Bill? Um, they can just give me a call at 503-519-7972, or they can look me up on the web. They can look me on the web at Northwest Hog Hunters. Yeah, and hog is spelled the southern way, is it not? H-A-W-G, yeah. Northwest yeah. Hog Hunters, right? And yeah. um, you're you're all over the net, and uh, uh, people can find you that way. Well, man, I just want to, again, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us. Thanking you also for what you do. You make a lot of memories for people, and that is a very admirable profession, especially in today, uh, you know, today's world of the pandemic and all the other crazy stuff that's going on. People need that release. And, you know, gosh, you provide that to them. And, and again, that, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's something you should be very proud of. Uh, definitely am. And it's, it's absolutely a blast to see people smile when they put a fish in the boat. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Yep. Well, hey, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you guys, Bill. Um, you know, I'm sure glad that uh, you got over COVID and you're, you're, uh, uh, you know, you're back in the saddle and, and, uh, uh, got through that a okay. And we just wish you the very best in 2021. And, um, again, thank you. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate it.